Mr. Keys. Now, what kind of a first name is that, Mr.? Well, Mama wanted people to show me respect. Oh, yeah? Well, suppose you show me your registration. You got it in the car there? You know what? You're getting to be a real pain in the ass, man. Now, what's that on the floor there? Listening to They Must Be Destroyed on Sight. The following podcast contains adult language, adult situations, and spoilers for the movies discussed occur often. You've been warned. Now, take it away, Dr. Rausch. They must be destroyed on sight. Welcome back. It is They Must Be Destroyed on Site, episode 251. And I'm your host, Lee. On a scale of 1 to 10, he doesn't look like much, Russell. Uh, <laughs> I am joined by my co-hostess with the mostest, Lee, as lethal as cyanide and as selective as a lady buying perfume hardy. How are you doing, ma'am? Oh, that's a good one. I feel like I'm never disappointed with these. <laughs> creative with them. I enjoy them. Yeah. I'm doing good. How are you? Yeah, you're all dolled up, too. You're all wearing makeup and shit. Yeah, I'm supposed to go out tonight. So all right. that's why it's 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 very rushed. I have my one eyebrow. I'm looking at it. And I'm like, oh, my God, I just want to hate it. Um, oh, yeah, it just looks just looks awful. Fucking, it does look awful. So gross. And we have a special guest uh, this time out. He is uh, one of my brothers over at the Last Call at Torchies podcast. He is the major domo of uh, cinema degeneration. He is a writer, a director, an editor, and an actor. He's a man of many talents. Ooh. Cameron, <laughs> really going to boogaloo tonight, baby Scott. How are you doing, sir? I'm, I'm ready to fucking boogaloo, man. <laughs> I, I, I'm three lone stars deep, and I'm working on my fourth. Uh, I'm a man home alone for the weekend, so I'm just letting it all hang out. You know? Right on. <laughs> Thanks Good for having me. I appreciate yeah. it. Good thing your your camera's off then. <laughs> <laughs> this would be an X-rated show. No, just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> we have Cameron on. Uh, it's great to have him on uh, for the first time. And he picked a, a doozy of a film to uh, do this time out. We're doing Three the Hard Way from 1974. But before we get into that, since Cameron is a first-time guest on the show, he gets to play... The movie God game. Are you a god? When someone 
ask you, if you're a god, you say yes! Movie God. All right. I explained the rules to Cameron before the recording, but uh, for people tuning in, maybe it's the first time they've uh, ever heard this. So this is the movie God game and Cameron gets to be the movie God. And basically what happens is I'm giving him a sort of a Sophie's choice, but, but it's movie related. So it could be two movies, could be two actors, two directors, two composers for film, uh, anything along those lines. And he has to erase one of them from the timeline. They never existed. They're good as dead. So you have to take in consideration that person or thing never existed and what kind of effects that would have on the uh, future of film. So, like, say you, you erase an actor, it's not necessarily mean that the films they were in didn't exist, but they would be majorly you know changed they'd be uh very different than how they ended up in our timelines so it's supposed to be difficult i've, I've not had the best track record lately He's of only stumped one person <laughs> <laughs> oh. i feel like i'm on the spot here but that's the point of it right yeah, yeah. uh everyone else has just made really cold decisions really quickly and and made me look like a fool so i'm totally prepared yeah uh, <laughs> that's me <laughs> so cameron uh i know you well enough to know that you are a connoisseur of horror movies and b horror movies um mm -hmm. to be exact and you are the movie god sir and i'm giving you the choice you must eliminate one of these two uh. famous and well-loved b movie actors oh, uh, from the timeline so either Tom Atkins or Bruce Campbell. <laughs> oh. Mm. Damn. <laughs> mm. uh, you know, as much as I hate to say it, Tommy's got to go. Really? Because I share a birthday with Bruce Campbell. Oh. <laughs> I've, I've met Bruce Campbell like four or five times and actually I had a pretty good rapport with him. And I don't know that I want to live in a world where the Evil Dead series doesn't exist. But well, it's hard. that's that was a hard hard choice there because uh, the, I have an interesting Tom Atkins story meeting him. I've having to show him my driver's license and my ID because I, I had him sign my Night of the Creeps poster. I oh, told yeah. him signed it to Cameron, and he just raised an eyebrow and he's just like, "Really?" And he didn't believe my name was Cameron. He thought I was just making it up. <laughs> so he was just like, yeah, I don't believe it. I'm like, you want to see my ID? And he just puts his hands on his chest and just crosses his arms. He's like, yeah, yeah, I do. So I did. <laughs> but I, I, wow. love me some, I love me some Tommy. That was not an easy choice. But uh, yeah, I, cause I, just, I, I don't know that I want to live in a world where the Evil Dead series just is, is erased into non-existence. Well, it's not necessarily erased, right? It, it's just Bruce Campbell was an ash. That's that's the that's the thing. Well, like, e even even worse. <laughs> I mean, I could I could imagine the Evil Dead series without Ash. That's why I'm excited for the new one. But like, I don't want to. I just don't want to live in a, in a world without my chainsaw wielding buddy, man. It's just oh, okay. You know, I mean, yeah, somebody else could have played him, but do we want that? No. I mean, yeah. imagine imagine Ted Raimi is Ash Williams. But... Ooh. You know, you got something there. It might have worked. You never know. Yeah, or maybe in a world where Tom Atkins played Ash. But we just <laughs> we just we just fucked that all up. Yeah, yeah. Um Ah, that's a good choice. I I personally would have went for Bruce Campbell. Honestly, I, I'm 
I like the Evil Dead series, but I'm not as big a fan of it uh, as you obviously are. For me, Tom Atkins is just like he makes a couple of those early Carpenter films, and um, well, he's in the he's in the fog. He's not in any of the other ones. I forgot. Um, but, no, well, Escape from New York, briefly. Uh oh. Is he? Yeah, because he's like oh, yeah, one, he's a one cop. of uh, yeah, he's yeah. one of the uh, the the right hand man's to Hauk. Yeah, he's yeah, he's Lee Van Cleef's right hand man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and of course he's in Halloween three as well. But I mean, then you get Night of the Creeps and can't let those go. I mean, I can't see anyone else doing what he did in Night of the Creeps. I don't. I don't think anyone else could pull that off, honestly. Yeah, it's true. That, but that, that's why you make the hard choices. There is just like mm-hmm. you're, you're holding the, that world in the balance. I'll just. I'll just uh, actually ask uh, Lee. How do you? How do you think I did this time? Did I? Did I totally fail or? was at least uh semi there was i think there was effort put in this one like he did have to think about it like i know an answer came out quick but it wasn't as uh easy to make mm-hmm. there was like right. yeah so you did all, better all i had to do was look across my room and see the prop evil dead 2 chainsaw that i have on my shoulder and remember that i cosplayed his ash <laughs> a couple halloweens back and i'm just like yeah that that was that was, that was the only reason why that that decision was even slightly easy to make Right on. Right on. Well done. Well done. Yeah, you we killed me, on. though, man. You killed me, Smalls. Good. Good. <laughs> <laughs> good. It's supposed to be painful. It's supposed to it's supposed to take a little little bit out of your soul. Um, I died a little in your arms tonight. Man. All right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we can move on now to what we've watched lately. Uh, and so I'll just throw over to you, Cameron, if you have anything you want to mention. Um, I haven't watched much of anything new. I've been just uh, review watching shows. I just did uh, the recorded the first episode of our Rucker Howard Appreciation Month over mm-hmm. at Cinema Degeneration. We did Surviving the Game yesterday, which is a great, great, you know, iced tea Rucker Howard jam. But quickly realized Gary Busey steals the show on that one. Mm-hmm. He steals it in all one, one fucking monologue. But. I did a double feature a couple days ago of uh, Dr. Alien and Slave Girls from Beyond Infinity for a, mm. a sex, sex comedy series that we're doing. But then I finally broke down. I had to break down and, and watch the, the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Mm-hmm. And I have so, sorts of uh, mixed emotions about that. Loved certain parts of it, liked certain parts of it, hated other parts of it, but... I don't know I how, think, much, how deeply we want to get into that one, but oh, I'm I'm all it, I'm all for spoiling that fucking piece of shit. Um, it was rough. That, it yeah, was rough. I, I mean, it works perfectly fine if it's not actually a Texas Chainsaw Massacre film. Like if if you had just taken Leatherface out of it, not called it Texas Chainsaw Massacre, it's a perfectly acceptable pastiche of of that sort of thing. Like it, it's just you know, there's countless Texas Chainsaw Massacre clones out there. And this one's a perfectly good one if you take, you know, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre franchise out of it, right? Um, right. Uh, but it's just like I can't, I can't get past seventy-year-old Leatherface killing people. It's just <laughs> dumb. It's it's he's invincible. It's stupid. And they they totally just it's so lazy too because they just rip from uh, the the latest Halloween ones where you have the Sally character coming back and she's all right. militant and. And then, then they fuck it up, and they make her like get taken out so easy. That was and, my biggest problem. Is yeah. they, they what they did the the Sally character to me was one of the ultimate final girls, and 
I'm going to flex here for a moment. I worked with Gunnar Hansen on one of his last films. I, I was I was his gopher. We we ended up talking diabetes because hey, we're diabetes brothers. So you know, I was the guy driving him around and driving him back and forth to set. I was basically Leatherface's bitch for two days, which was a great experience. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I d- I didn't like what they did with Leatherface. Uh, I mean, seventy seven year old Le- Leatherface just kicking ass like he's twenty three. It just didn't didn't seem to make sense they shot the shit out of him he just kept on coming mm-hmm. like a monster like i could have been all right with an old man leatherface but they made him such an unstoppable killing machine it wasn't even grounded in any sort of reality and i'm talking about chainsaw massacre and some sort of reality but my yeah. biggest problem like i love i love the gore i love the kills uh mm-hmm. you know for a highlight reel of gore it's a decent it is it's a decent flick but I completely did not give a shit about any of the characters. I was rooting for each of them to die. I'm just like, I'm this pumping, like, yes, like kill this motherfucker. You can't kill him mm-hmm. soon enough. It was up and down. It was, it was highs and lows. You know, it was this, uh, you could tell it had a troubled production, which it did. And what they did with Sally was just, to be quite honest, was a, was a complete travesty. Beyond to throw beyond, away that character, yeah, beyond stupid. And like, I like the actress they got to to play the Marilyn Burns part, right? Yeah, um, from uh, the the one from Mandy. Yeah. yeah, the one from Mandy. She's fine, but it's just they did nothing with her. And it's like that whole scene where she shows up and is like, "Do you remember me, motherfucker? You fucked my friends and everything." And he just ignores her and walks away. It's like, what is this? What what's going on here? And fucking man i don't i don't know it's it, it's just i did like that sally used the other couple girls as bait mm-hmm. for a moment i was like okay this is a n- nice twist but then they didn't really do anything with it no. i mean it, it's it's leagues and bounds better than the last one the leatherface prequel it, yeah I'll, I'll give it oh, that. yeah you know I, I i have to at least put it a notch above that but i was just really just for all intents and purposes it was just really disappointing I mean, past the first two parts of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, uh, the franchise, um, you're setting an awful low bar. Anyway. <laughs> it's like, it's, I mean, the remake is kind of decent, and then it just went off a cliff again. So it's like, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But that was the, the only other new thing I watched. I did watch Howling 2, so now I got that fucking song stuck in my head the howling theme song mm-hmm. that they play 17 times in that movie i've not had it out of my movie on the continuous loop for the last like three days yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's pretty much that's pretty much everything that i've watched I, i've been kind of lazy with my new watches all right cool uh lady lee uh, I watched the Batman. Mm-hmm. I uh, just saw it. I don't want to give too much away, only because it's still in theaters. Like I know we do warn about that stuff, but again, like I kind of want to give people a chance to see it. All I gotta say is I didn't like it. No. Like it just. I know a lot of people really enjoyed it, and I talked to a few people who enjoyed it. Uh, I I do think there was a so- solid storyline. Like there's a the actual storyline itself that was developed uh, was good. Um, my problem was that with a superhero movie, I just kind of come to expect unnecessary action and CGI Mm -hmm. and all the sorts of violence. And I got none of that. It was very minimal. So uh, Greg kind of said it best. Like it's kind of like a film noir type thing, more like a murder mystery versus like an actual superhero movie. Yeah. So that's where I could see how people enjoyed it. But I fully expected, like I anticipated just over the top, unrealistic fight scenes that are all fake 
and CGI because that's what I kind of expect from a superhero movie. I want to be taken out of the real world. I want to be taken into a superhero world. And I didn't get any of that. So, yeah, I don't want to give too much away about the movie in general, like the storyline. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I wasn't I wasn't a fan. Oh, all right. Fair enough. You're the one person who hates that film other than incels and people who complain about woke culture. <laughs> I didn't even see how that was related. Like, I don't know. It's it's never related. It's it's always people trying to make up shit like, oh, this movie's so woke. It's like, yeah, shut up. Like, just shut up. Like, it was just like the Chainsaw Massacre. People complained of the wokeness of that. Or like, that, 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 it was a little bit of it, but not really. Not, not really. Like, it, it had some very lame already outdated jokes about like murdering TikTok influencers and stuff like okay which I'm all for I'm, I'm, I'm yeah it, that. It's, fi- <laughs> it's fine but you know it's a joke it kind of falls flat on its face at the oh, same yeah. time because it's so obvious but um so I'll just mention one other thing uh, I did have Texas Chainsaw Massacre is one of my things but uh we talked about that. I just watched on Netflix a film an Indonesian action film called The Night Comes For Us from 2018. I decided to check this out. I think some of the people involved in this are involved in uh, those raid movies, you know, the the ones oh, where it's like... yeah, like the, Raid Redemption. Yeah, like cops have to go fight up a tower and kill a bunch of guys. And, of course, like the... Uh, the latest Judge Dredd film basically ripped that whole plot off and made a, like a really great fucking film out of it. But man, I wanted to like this movie so much, but every East Asian film, it seems like they have to be two hours or more, no matter what. Thankfully, this was only like two hours, three minutes or something like that. But usually they're like, hey, two hours, 40 minutes for this uh story about a haunted house in indonesia or some shit you know and sometimes those are really good but in the case of this which is just there's the perfect 80 to 90 minutes action film in this film and the action scenes are so fucking intense so brutal so bloody like there's just people being shot everywhere stabbed everywhere martial arts shit going on people getting their limbs twisted in angles that they shouldn't be twisted in <laughs> and it looks fucking great like nothing none of it looks like shitty cgi wankery or anything like that like if they're cgi it's done super fucking well and there's scene after scene of it but it's fucking two hours of it and he gets to be like this gore highlight reel more than anything else. And it actually gets boring, which is just like the biggest sin a movie can have for me is being oh, fucking boring. Right. And mm-hmm. especially with a lot of action. Yeah. And like the plot is so wafer thin. It's just this guy who works for the triads decides to have a change of heart and spares this young girls about to be murdered. And so that puts him and his friends in jeopardy as he tries to protect the girl, basically. And then it's just like two hours of triad killers coming after them. And like, that's a solid premise for a 90 minute action movie. You get some like cool fucking killers coming after them and you have some good fights and they win in the end or whatever. Maybe they don't win in the end, but either way it's fun. But here it's just like two hours and it just takes so long and it just it just gets to the point where you get, get desensitized to it. And it's just like, oh, 
Another person just got stabbed 18 times and got stabbed by something unique. Like, oh, this person got stabbed by an animal bone that this guy picked up. And like, there's all kinds of inventive shit. Like, there's like three or four movies, like action movies worth of inventive shit in this that they could have spread out into three or four movies. But they put it all in one movie and it just got it just went on way too long, way too fucking long. Although, you know, I will give it kind of a bare recommendation that you like, you know, watch the first half hour of it and just see the kind of stuff they're doing in it. Cause it actually is like super impressive. I'm just like so disappointed that they, they wasted all this cool shit on a movie that doesn't work. And it's like, ah, oh, too bad. But uh, yeah, that's it. What's it called? The night comes. For us? Yeah. The night comes for us. I'll have to check that out. And I see plenty of people like just going gaga over it, like, wow, this is so intense. It's so cool. And, like it is super intense. And it's like it it balls you over the action scenes. They're fucking crazy as hell. But it's two hours of it. And I, I don't know about you, but I just can't do two hours of that stuff. I, I just it, it gets to the point where I like I need a little bit more and I need a little bit more story and I need a little bit less runtime. It'd be nice. I feel like I'm the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> just throw me unnecessary action. I'll be happy. This, well, this, this, then this might work for you. That This might be a two hour movie that you can actually watch without, you know, getting distracted. Like you usually. Yeah. Do, so, yeah. yeah. I'm pretty bad at that. <laughs> that's, that's why I'm not uh, hip on going to see the Batman. I'm not, I don't know if I want to spend three hours in a the theater right now. Mm-hmm. It is long. And there is not nearly as much action. So if you're like me and like action movies, I would not do it. But if you like a storyline, like a solid storyline, I, I do think the storyline was solid. Hmm. So you may enjoy it, Lee. It mm-hmm. just, like I said, me was just the lack of action. All right, cool. I, I do look forward to checking it out at some point. Um, but uh, that will probably be a while down the road before I finally do see it. Um, it is three hours. Just be ready. Mm-hmm. I could do I could do three hour movies if if they got I enough just, going on, you know. I mean, like just finding the time to watch a three hour movie. That's that's more what I meant. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I can do I can do that too. I don't have a life. I mean, what are you talking about? <sighs> Fuck me. Yeah. What am I thinking? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, we're going to take a break. Uh, we're going to play a podcast promo, a little bit of music, and we're going to come back and talk about three the hard way. And I don't know about you guys, but I think. We got this, man. We got this by the ass. You ungodly warlock. Hello, and welcome to Hello, This is the Doom Show. I'm Richard. And I hate the burning. Shh, who are you? Speak. <laughs> and I'm Brad. She came in and said, mark, mark, mark. And he said, mark, mark. And she said, mark, 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 mark. That's what I got. One is the Suspiria boner. The other is the Inferno boner. <laughs> which, anyway. which one is crying? <laughs> The boner of tears. <laughs> Hello, this is the Doomed Show. Is available on Hello Doomed Show. Automatic. Com and doomedmoviethon.com. Hello, hello, this is the Doom Show. Richard, Brad, Jeffrey, Napa. It's the Doom Show. Hello, hello, this is the Doom Show. Slashers, G.I. Low and Horror. You ungodly warlock.
I saw Lady Lee looking confused, like, what are they talking about in that promo? I have no fucking idea. And it's like, yeah, no, it's very much like a Dario Argento nerd fucking joke in the in that trailer. Uh, just, mm, okay. I'll, I'll educate you on it someday. Okay, we'll, sounds we'll good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we have a very nice, quick trailer for Three the Hard Way, and I'm going to play that right now. Jim Brown. <laughs> Fred Williamson, Jim Kelly, they do it their way. Three the hard way. Three cities and three of us. Three the hard way. You see, we have a scientific institution here. Gonna kill us all. You gotta stop. Action explodes all over the place when the big three join forces to save their race. Brown, Williamson, Kelly, rated R. Ah, oh, there we go. Can all trailers be that nice? That's. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, this is Three the Hard Way from 1974, directed by Gordon Parks Jr., who is the son of Gordon Parks, go figure, uh, who directed Shaft from 1971. And Gordon Parks Jr. himself is most famous for being the director of Superfly. And he did not have a long life. He died in his 40s at like 1979 or something like that. So um, I can't remember what he died of, but... Um, it might have been a fucking helicopter crash, as far as I know. Jesus. Uh, because I I know there's been a few of yeah, those in was. the 1970s. It was. Yeah, there you go. 1970s, directors dying in helicopter crashes. It happened a lot, apparently. Um, but yeah, so this is probably, this is actually probably his most, second most famous uh, thing as a director. He only did a handful of films. We have writers uh, Eric uh, Berkovici. Who did Hell in the Pacific? I uh, did lots of TV, including uh, the Shogun miniseries with uh, Richard Chamberlain, uh, Hawaii Five-O. Um, we have Jared L. Ludwig, who did the screenplay for Take a Hard Ride, which is sort of the spiritual sequel to this film, also starring our, our three uh, big stars uh, in this film. And he also did a lot of TV, uh, most notably Hawaii Five O as well, and Murder She Wrote. So there you go. We have our stars here: Jim Brown, Jim 
Why did I say browned? <laughs> Jim Brown as Jimmy Late, uh, big time star in the '60s, probably. Uh, best known for being in the Dirty Dozen, uh, Tick, 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 Slaughter, Black Gun, Slaughter's Big Ripoff, The Slams, would later star in stuff like The Running Man, uh, the parody of this film, I'm Gonna Get You Sucker, and <laughs> Mars Attacks. Um, and before his film career, he was a big football star, uh, same as our next uh, star here, Fred Williamson as Jagger Daniels. Uh, he started out in the film version of MASH that they later, of course, based the TV series on. Ex- uh, excuse me using this word, but he was in The Legend of Nigger Charlie, and that is the title of the film. And as far as I know, they never changed it to anything else. Uh, he was in that and the sequel to that, uh, Hammer, Black Caesar, Hell Up in Harlem, Tough Guys, uh, the original Glorious Bastards. Um, then later on, you'd see him in stuff like From Dust Till Dawn uh, and recently uh, VFW, which is very, very good. Um, mm-hmm. And he's, I'll probably argue he's probably the best actor in this film out of our three leads, but we'll get into that. Uh, we got Jim Kelly as Mr. Keys. He got his sort of big break and entered the dragon, uh, went on for into his own starring vehicles, uh, Black Belt Jones, Black Samurai, and the Tattoo Connection. And he was a former uh, world karate champ and professional tennis player. And I, I think that shows in his uh, physicality in his film at the very least. Uh, we got Sheila Fraser as Wendy Kane. She was in Superfly and Superfly TNT. Uh, we have Jay Robinson as Monroe Feather. And he was in a ton of stuff, but uh, the things that I remember him from, he was in The Man of Bogart's Face, The Sword and the Sorcerer, uh, The Malibu Bikini Shop, Big Top Pee Wee, and he was even in Bram Stoker's Dracula. And then we have Charles McGregor as Charlie, Howard Platt as Keep. Uh, Richard Angelrola as Dr. Fortero, David Chow as Link, Marion Collier as Eva, uh, Jinro Jennings as House, Alex Rocco, great character actor, as Lieutenant D. Nisco, uh, and he's in a ton of stuff, Motor Psycho, um, The Godfather, Bonnie's Kids, The Friends of Eddie Coyle, uh, Detroit 9000, Freebie and the Bean, The Stuntman, and Get Shorty, of, of all things. Uh, just sort of ran the gambit of like crappy films and like <laughs> top tier films uh, like any good character actor does. We have an early role for Corbin Burnson here as boy. He's in mostly known for LA law um, and psych on TV, but he was in major league and it's two sequels uh, tales from the hood and the dentist and that sequel and uh, kiss, kiss, bang, bang kinds of stuff he was in. And then, although she doesn't really have a big role in this, uh, Jeannie Bell is in this as Polly, and she is also TNT Jackson, had her own uh, black exploitation starring vehicle, although it's, it's not very good. But <laughs> <laughs> So the synopsis for this the story involves a white supremacist plot to take the United States water supply of a toxin that is harmless to whites, but lethal to blacks. The only obstacles that stand in the way of this dashly plan are Jim Brown, Fred Williamson, and Jim Kelly, who shoot, kick, and karate chop their way to final victory, which is totally what happens in this film. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, we'll throw over to Cameron first for sort of your general thoughts on the film, sir. 
Well, this is one of my favorites. Uh, there's an air quotes here that you can't see the mm-hmm. favorite uh, black exploitation films. And not just because it has Fred the Hammer Williamson in it, who's one of my favorite go to actors, mm-hmm. but it's just. It's one of the few that I own a poster for. I I like it that much. Now, I don't have I don't have a frame or anything because the frames cost more than the posters. But it's <laughs> I love any movie where uh, white supremacists get their comeuppance. Mm-hmm. You know, if they're going to get made fun of and they're going to get made an example out of, um, I love it. And that's why I love like Blues Brothers because you know I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I hate Illinois Nazis. As yeah, well. <laughs> but it's 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 so good. Yeah, it's a it's a little goofy and a little wonky at times, you know. But it's good, cheesy fun. It's got some great action scenes, some questionable stunt work, and by questionable, I mean like, you know, I'm surprised uh, a lot more people didn't get hurt. I would love to see a a, a, a list of how many uh, hospital visits there were during the making of this film, because mm. I have plenty of notes that I've taken, and most of them are either about one liners or about stunts that look like they went wrong. <laughs> But uh, it just has a great sense of humor about it. You know, I love the cheekiness of this movie between the ba- you believe the banter between the three friends. Mm-hmm. If I had mm-hmm. any one real complaint is that they bring Fred the Hammer Williamson and, you know, J- Jim fucking Kelly. They, they bring them in way too late. But I know they got to mm-hmm. build they got to build up that story to get to that point to bring them in. But yeah. uh, I love the introduction of each one of them. I would have loved this scene uh, like a direct sequel to this. And it's just great. It, it just sets it up. It's almost like uh, the perfect screenplay. Like they say, Die Hard is the way the perfect screenplay because it leads from one action scene just leads to the next to the next. And it's like a domino effect. That's this movie. This movie was in a way, essentially, I know we're probably going to raise some eyebrows here, but it's essentially Die Hard before there was Die Hard. You know, it's just that mix of like, okay, how do we get from point A to point B? Is this like, okay, we're just setting these guys up and then. It's, it's just like, for instance, I'll just single out one scene before I stop the introduction to Jim Kelly, just mm-hmm. laying waste to all those cops in the middle of the street. And then all of a sudden his, his buddies show up and like, oh, I see up your old hijinks and stuff, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, you know me just kicking the shit out of fucking uh, crooked cops on a daily basis. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll definitely get into some of these scenes, but uh, I'll throw over to you, uh, Lady Lee. Uh. <laughs> It's hilarious when you're watching this movie and you're listening to it and you're like, how does this still relate to today's problems? Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's a big thing. Like the fact that we're we still have people who comfortably show off the the Confederate flag and they're just like, I'm just showing off history, like just that excuse. So when I see this movie, it's just it's so feel good. It's so awesome. Like it's just this like when you actually think about it the storyline itself is pretty fucking awful like there's a water they're trying to put something into water that murders anybody who has color in their skin like yeah it's a pretty keep... thin storyline yeah like they just <laughs> want to keep the line pure and uh obviously that's not like something that you can just lightly take but the way they made it it was so light and so fun and just I the, like you said there was just this over the top like scenes the ridiculous fight scenes that um probably are entire well are entirely unreal- unrealistic but just amazing to watch like mm-hmm. it was uh I did find the acting a little bit cheesy um I found it more like play acting style versus like movie acting style but I think it really worked for this movie like I just think it just mended really well because you honestly had fun with this movie from beginning to end um 
like I said, this topic is a really serious topic when you think about it, when you actually think about the premise, but the whole time it was goofy fun. Like, how do we take uh, Nazis and terrible people uh, not so seriously? We make this movie where the good guys are these three black guys who basically destroy a huge group of, like, white, disgusting Nazis. Or not mm-hmm. Nazis, but, like, <laughs> racists. <laughs> well, no, they, they, are, they, are, they are straight up neo-Nazis, basically. But, um... but it's, it's, it's these kind of movies, like, I enjoy these kinds of movies because um, they're made to kind of be, like, in your face to racist people, right? Mm-hmm. And then here we have all these fucking people being like, oh, my freedoms. I'm like... But it's it's, I, not, I it's not hate, it's heritage. Get the fuck yeah. out of here, yeah. man. Yeah, so this is what I mean. Like, these are the movies that back then got a lot of uh, flack because uh, the whole racism thing. Nowadays, we have movies like this and they still get the same fucking flack. Like, that's, that's kind of the reason I wanted to bring it up was because, like, just the reality of how we're still dealing with the shit. We're still dealing with people who do want to keep the bloodline pure. We're still dealing with people who don't even understand the fact that they're constantly being racist. And when you call them out on being racist, they're like, oh, no, I just, I just don't like being inconvenienced. (laughs) 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 Anyway, I I know I took that a whole like political, but that's, it just kind of made me think of that. Like just current events right now, just kind of made Mm -hmm. me think of it. The, The movie is very much like a sort of a comic book take on, you know, the action film and sort of the themes in it. So like, there's a lot of over the top sort of um, black culture, wish fulfillment kind of thing. And, and, and honestly, just anyone who's anti fucking neo-Nazi wish fulfillment, where it's just like, they're getting gunned down in droves. But the weird thing is, it's like the neo-Nazis presented in this are presented kind of comical over the top and, and shit, but mm-hmm. really not too far off from real life. Nazis are kind of terrifying because a lot of them are this fucking crazy and do think of like weird plots like this that are fucking insane and make no real sense. But uh, there has been accounts of them trying things like this. The whole idea, like in the movie here, the whole idea of we can find a chemical that will kill the quote unquote black race. Well, there's no one black race to begin with like there's oh, a- no, it's only if you weren't pure uh white like if you're well, black, completely white yeah just- but what what is that then like is that gonna kill like everybody anybody who has any sort of color in mm-hmm. their blood would murder them that's why i was kind of laughing because i was like trying to keep the bloodline pure like just purely white well, not yeah, I, I was cheering them on for, to an extent to be like, yeah, drink it first. Drink it first, yeah. see what happens. Yeah, try it. <laughs> yeah. Put your money where your mouth is. Somewhere. Guaranteed one of your fucking ancestors like s- captured somebody of color and raped them and impregnated them, and then somehow you end up being in the line. So I you mean, probably have some secret black in you, but... I mean, you, you don't even have to be black. Like, it depends on on what, what your specific racist ideology is. There's plenty of fucking neo-Nazis and stuff who don't consider Jewish uh, people. They did say be. they did say anybody who wasn't uh, white. So I know a yeah. Jewish case would be a little bit different because uh, obviously there are whites in that. But, but I mean, there's there's nowhere you can go back to where there, there isn't some sort of racial mixing. Like, there's, there's no... The, the idea of a real pure racial bloodline is just pathetically stupid. Like, then they can just drink it themselves and die. Yeah. 
Like, exactly. come on. <laughs> Let them be stupid about it. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Join the Jim Jones cult. Drink the Kool-Aid. Go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Wait, yeah. But you, you go first because I want to see what happens. But I, I, I love this quite a bit. I, I think the opening is like really good and effective. Like it's like, oh, what's going on here? And and you're following this guy, and he, you know, he escapes from his captors and gets a hold of a gun and has a quick shootout with some some of these guys is like what what the fuck's happening like there, there's something weird happening there's all these black dead bodies in the storage room and and when he hides like, amongst the bodies mm-hmm. like, oh that's so creepy it's like very very good and then like immediately moves to jim brown and he you know he gets in he's a, like a record producer or some shit so he's in the studio with the impressions in studio doing music and this immediately made me go back to the episode we all did on beyond the door where we had that record producer guy saying, oh, you guys sound like shit. Jim Brown kind of does the same thing here. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I was wondering the same thing. I was like, they sound really good. Like, like these guys are on it. And I was like, <laughs> I, I was like, I, I, didn't, I didn't remember Jim Brown coming across so uh, harsh, but I'm like, man, why are you harshing on them, man? Yeah. I did enjoy the music uh, throughout the movie. I did enjoy the score. Yeah, the impressions did the whole soundtrack for this. Uh, it's really good. Um, I, I even kind of got a kick out of the like the the little uh short chubby black guy that was in the studio with him it was like oh it's CeeLo green's dad it, it's just CeeLo green's dad in there helping record and then that guy later on he gets killed later on the film because he tags along for the the sequence at the dam or whatever oh can we um can we talk about that torture scene Oh, oh, we're going to get there. We're going to get there, believe me. Um, I just just want to point out for people who are sensitive to the N-bomb, there's only a couple. The first one is 17 minutes, and it's when they do the assassination on the guy who escaped in the the, uh, opening there. I do enjoy the use of it, though, because it makes you really hate the guy. Yeah. So when he does hate it, um, it makes you really want him to suffer. Just Mm -hmm. how he says it and how the other guys say it. You really want them to all suffer just because of like, ooh, ooh, I don't like you. <laughs> like you can't die soon enough, sir. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they 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 don't make the any redeeming qualities for these Nazis. They're just like faceless white assholes who need to be killed. And uh, yeah, and there's no empathy at all. Like you never mm-hmm. see any sort of reason to empathize with them. And I enjoy that. I enjoy that it's pure fucking hatred towards these piece of shit assholes. Yeah. So actually, let's just get into it, because this is probably the most startling thing that stands out in the film. It's like it it just comes out of nowhere. It feels like it's from a different film, but it's great. So at one point, they get a hold of one of these neo-Nazis, because uh, basically our three leads, as soon as they run afoul of these neo-Nazis and uh, Jim Brown's girlfriend gets kidnapped, uh, they're like, okay, we're going to kill all these motherfuckers. So we got to figure out where they are. So they just start messing up their operations everywhere. They get a hold of one guy, take him prisoner, and he's not going to talk. So they call these special uh, torture experts, these special interrogators who are these three motorcycling (laughs) dominatrixes uh, wearing red, white, and blue, of course, because that's – I love the the way they choreographed it, too, because uh, they come in in the order red, white, and blue when they enter the house. Just, you know, American flag. I, there's still got to be some sort of joke there I'm not getting, but it's like, it, it's it's very cool. Um, so we have Irene Sue, Mario Henry, and Pamela Serpy. 
are our three uh, dominatrixes here. One of them is black. One of them is Asian. One of them is white. And they torture men by first titillating them. And then you can just kind of, they don't show what happens, but you can kind of assume what they do to the guy. Uh, but to do so, they have to get topless and very, very sweaty. <laughs> I okay I was looking down for a moment and then I look up and I just see three topless women I'm mm-hmm. like what the fuck just happened <laughs> three three very sweaty topless women too eh? like they're it's glistening. Just, oh yeah at the end when they're just yeah we may need more time and they're just, just sweating and shiny I'm like what it did just ha- well, I, I don't understand why the scene is in there a i understand baby, a baby oil bottle exploded or something maybe <laughs> <laughs> but this the scene itself it seems like uh, a scene that doesn't need to be in there like really they didn't need to do that at all because none else the mini- none no other part of the movie is sexual like this is the only part that's really sexual and oh but am i ever happy that they did though <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> No, they had to find <laughs> they, they had to find some way to get titties in there. But to their credit, they they put them they put that scene in the context of like three badass women who yeah, like, but they didn't have to get, they didn't have to get naked. They didn't have to do that at all. Like they really didn't. But that's what I'm saying. I love that they did. I love again. It was just this over the top unnecessary thing that happened. Where you're like, <laughs> absolutely. Why would I say no to this? Like, yeah. <laughs> I just I just love the idea that they like gave this guy, you know, this this white racist guy who, by the way, when they strip him down, he's in like these big ass tidy whiteies, like 1970s <laughs> right. tidy whiteies. And so off screen, they give him a Nuru massage or whatever the fuck you call it. And then they like probably like kick him in the balls over and over again for like 30 minutes straight or some shit. I don't even think know? it's like a kick in the balls. I think it's like one of those things where like you start to tease and then you like slap the balls. So they think it start to feel good. And then you like hurt them and then they get scared. Cause they don't know if you're going to do it again. So oh, it becomes yeah. like that. Yeah. Cause if it's constant hits, right. They know they're just going to get hit. This guy was like traumatized. So I think it was something as the sign, like a true dominatrix. Like so literally you don't know if they're going to give you like pleasure or pain. They're edging, they're edging them in both ways. Kind of. Yeah. And it could not even be, it could just be like touching him with some, like an inanimate object on his like, sensitive areas and then just <laughs> hitting him really hard or slapping him or like uh making him beg for mercy or whatever the case may be or like playing with his butthole who knows <laughs> either way um <laughs> there was there i was think there was some butt was, stuff going on that was my assumption mm. <laughs> yeah there was definitely traumatizing it had to be traumatizing because it couldn't just be pain because pain these guys are trained for it, right? It had to mm-hmm. be some sort of like psychological and um, physical sense where the guy uh, couldn't handle it anymore. And a lot of people, when it comes to like BDSM shit, a lot of people do end up crying because it is very fucked up, like mentally and physically. So I say he got fucking sexually overwhelmed by these three gorgeous ladies with boobies, gorgeous boobies. <laughs> they they missed the opportunity, like with those big tidy whiteies who's wearing to like you know put some blood stains on them or something like that i think they i think they did a good job i think like instead of doing the whole standard like you said beat them to death they fucked with his head and they fucked with him like that's the best way to get somebody because like physical pain sure mental pain nah that shit like you're gonna fuck that guy up for a while <laughs> i'll never trust another woman again yeah, and that actor did a good job. I'm not sure what his name was that played the the hostage, but he sold mm. it. He, you, you bought you bought it that he had been traumatized. Yeah, yeah. Should mention too, all all three of these ladies 
all had kind of like respectable little exploitation careers in the seventies. And Irene Sue, she went on to, she's still acting today. She's, she's had like a very long kind of multifaceted uh, career in film and TV and stuff. So she's still going strong. And the other two kind of like, kind of the typical, like, Oh, you're a attractive woman. We're going to give you a ton of like roles in exploitation films in the seventies. Cause you'll show your boobies and stuff. And, and you're hot. Yeah. So, and all three of them are really hot. Like they're all, they're all gorgeous. And uh, the, the, the black one, Pamela Serpy has like this cool, like sort of snarky attitude where, you know, Jim Kelly's like, Hey, before you go up there, what's in your bag? And she's like, don't ask. Like, you don't want to know what's in this fucking strap-ons and butt plugs. <laughs> Cause Jim Kelly looks like a little taken back. Like, Oh my God, these, these are straight up three freaks. I, I don't know if I'm, I think I'm a little too, uh, uh, vanilla. White meat, vanilla. I'm not into this play. He, he, he seems a little put off by it. <laughs> mm, they could torch me any day. <laughs> Especially that Asian chick. I, I liked her. Holy crap. Um, but uh yeah that <laughs> yeah no that's it's 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 a standout scene in like a film with a lot of pretty standout scenes on their own but that that's kind of like it kind of puts it over the top a little bit for me it's like well i, like the, I liked it mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah i was titillated yeah. <laughs> i think the action scenes in this are really good though even even though as cameron mentioned some of them look like there were some pretty dangerous stunts which Kind of surprises me a bit because uh, Hal Needham actually was the uh, st- stunt coordinator on this. <laughs> but yeah, um, I made a note of that. I was like, Hal fucking Needham right off the bat, like mm-hmm. the credits. I also sometimes think I see the older movies and I see the stunts that they do. It's one of those things where the stunt people kind of have more freedom, mm-hmm. as much as they know that there's more risk and they will hurt. They most likely will hurt themselves. Uh, they get to do it, so they enjoy doing it. I'm not saying that's always the case, but like uh, I've I've known some of those like crazy daredevil people, and they kind of enjoy the risk of almost getting hurt or possibly mm-hmm. getting hurt, almost likely getting hurt. So uh, I think it's kind of with these kinds of movies, they're just allowed the freedom to just do everything. Like they don't have to worry as much with like the safety because now, especially like obviously the actor or the, the stunt man and or woman's um, safety is number one priority. Cause uh, obviously yeah. like in the past, there's been serious injuries and deaths and they don't want that. Well, they're all insured and stuff too. It's like, if, if, if someone gets killed now, it's like that can tank a whole film. Mm-hmm. Like, look at the what just happened there with um, Alec Baldwin's uh, film. Was that a stunt person or just a backup, like a background actor? I think it was. I think it was an actor, but it like still it, it kind of it kind of involves the same kind of idea of like yeah, you know, well, exactly yeah. I'm not saying safe, otherwise, but safety protocols and stuff not being you know followed on set and yeah, and somebody dying or being seriously injured and it kind of like tanks the whole film because of it, you know, kind of thing. Like, yeah. Cause like, I know like a lot of um, older James Bond movies, there was a lot of like really serious injuries and deaths for like sudden people mm-hmm. and the newer ones, it's like a massive deal. If even one of them just gets slightly hurt, uh, which is good, obviously, cause people's lives are more important than making a movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, Daniel Craig, he, he fucking beat the shit of himself doing his bond films. So, it yeah, makes he's sense had a couple of sur- surgeries. I think like a shoulder surgery and knee surgery resulted in some of his injuries. Mm-hmm. 
That's like a, a Jackie Chan as well. Like he's gotten into some real serious injuries to the point where they like had to stop production for a while. So yeah, he cover. Yeah, he doesn't do stunts anymore. Like <laughs> he sees. I wonder point, why. <laughs> yeah. Fuck, he was doing them forever though. Mm. I mean, and you can tell like uh, our three leads here are basically doing most of, if not all, their stunts. So, like from the from the for the most part, and I mean, it kind of makes sense. Fred Williamson and. Um, and, and uh, Jim Brown, they're both ex-football players. And Jim Kelly, of course, like world-class martial artist and tennis pro. Like, they're all... I loved... Okay, sorry. I love the scene where they just walk into uh, the martial arts gym and they get the uh, the sensei to fight mm-hmm. along with them. I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, this is badass. <laughs> yep, yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. That would be like my my uh, yeah my younger self who was in jujitsu when I was younger. That would have made my younger self like just be like, oh, this is so cool. Well, it still does, but anyways. And they let him do a <laughs> lot more serious ass kicking than I would have thought. Mm-hmm. You know, especially with my first. Those was not my first time watching this, but you know, the first time I watched this, I'm like, oh, this guy's gonna get bumped off really quick. Kind of like Jim Brown's one friend gets bumped off really quick. I'm like, oh, they're gonna let him do anything, but no, nah, he. For a sidekick, he, he was some serious ass. Mm-hmm. I, and I think, uh, you know, the actors, I mean, I think it's a good 80-20. You know, 80% of the time they're doing their stunts, you see them on camera taking the roles, running, jumping, uh, diving. Although there is that one part where they're trying to thwart the plans in the, the three different cities and the guy falls down the steps. He takes a face planter down that flight of concrete mm-hmm. steps. I'm pretty sure that guy fucking died. I'm pretty sure like they, they, they just buried him under some concrete. They're just like, oh. Well, then makes makes you wonder if the one guy who went over the side of the uh, the dam, whether that was a dummy drop or a real person, because <laughs> it was too dark to really see. So well, I had to put the light on my TV like crazy amounts because it was such a dark movie. Yeah, they had they had some day for night in this, mm. um, and then they had some night, which was even darker. It was like, oh, okay, um, but. Yeah, this is just like it, it's such a great vehicle for these three. Like our three leads are just presented as the coolest fucking dudes ever. They're smart, successful, well dressed, good with ladies, and they kick all kinds of ass. And like they don't have to reload their guns ever. No, <laughs> they're just no. <laughs> they're, they're, there's like literally no scene in this film where they reload their guns. Like they they just have infinite ammo. It's um, a cheat. You're throwing mm-hmm. the cheat code before you start fighting, right? right? Pretty much down, up, down, left, right, left, right, XO. Yeah, yeah, there we exactly. go. <laughs> I'll, I'll say, I'll say it's it, it's interesting. Like the three of them together when they're doing lines together and interacting, they have really great chemistry. Um, Cameron mentioned that uh, it's it's correct that they're really really good together and they sound very natural and stuff. But when they're doing stuff separate, only Fred Williamson is really the guy who feels like natural and charismatic and like he's actually doing a good job acting the other two are kind of jim brown and jim kelly are eh, they're serviceable but they're not that great they're a little um, stiff a little, yeah a little wooden but um yeah i've got like no real complaints with this uh i also enjoy the fact that uh every vehicle that goes off a cliff explodes before it hits the ground like <laughs> <laughs> i like this movie simply uh, because the storyline wasn't entirely elaborated and the movie, there was like enough action to fill in the scenes that mm-hmm. the hour and a half was well used. And it, there's no scenes I felt dragged on. There's nothing where I felt like it could have been a shorter movie. Like how many movies have we watched where like 
30% of it, 40%, 50% of it could just be entirely cut out. Yeah. Like this movie was one of those ones where that hour and a half was entertaining. Like I was worried at the beginning because they had the, the band play and it did go on for a little bit, but I understand why, obviously. But um, it did go on for a little bit. I'm like, oh, it's going to be one of those movies where it's just constant scenes where they're just like, let's have the scene go on 10 minutes too long. Nope. I thought everything was really good. I'm also like an action junkie, though. So there could be a, like a fight scene that's way too long. And I'll still be into it from beginning to end because I just like unnecessary violence when it comes to movies. So, yeah. Anything else you want to point out, Cameron? I want to point out that I thought that this movie checks off the, the box, several boxes. One that you mentioned is every card that goes off a cliff or takes an impact of any sort blows up. Mm-hmm. Stormtrooper bad guys that could hit the broadside of a barn with a fucking elephant. If they, <laughs> except for the one guy that just grazes Jim Brown in the car wash scene. And the car yeah. wash scene was one of my favorite action sequences because they're just every action scene is very different. You know, it's either, you know, mm-hmm. it's not just done in the same area. Most of the time in these movies, it's like, oh, we're just fighting in another warehouse or another factory. Yeah. Uh I did make a note of an, that the, the bad guys are given a lot more screen time than they're usually allotted in movies like this. You don't really get to know much about them or their, their master plan, you know, other than their, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I did love the line that God create took seven days to create the world. We'll take three days to cleanse it. I'm like, fuck, mm-hmm. like these guys, these guys need to die. They need yeah. to die so bad. I didn't notice one fuck up in the film though. One, uh, stunt gone wrong there's a part in the action sequence at the end when they're in the the compound and i think it's uh fred hammer williamson comes leaping through the window right before he does that when jim brown goes leaping over the table he catches the table and and nobles takes it along with him oh yeah Yeah. like he catches it with his leg and he just keeps going he just keeps firing (laughs) off and they got like you know i mean that's the thing these guys were all in their 40s or 50s when they shot this and they're all doing their own stunts. And I'm a man that's 45. And I'm like, I know how bad my back hurts and my knees ache and the surgeries <laughs> I've had. I'm like, kudos to these guys for, you know, kicking ass and taking names at their age when they did this. Uh, and I feel like they they really pulled all the stops out for that end finale. They're like, okay, we got some budget left over. Let's blow up 27 cars. Yeah. And I, I I think Jim Brown and Fred Williamson too. Like they they probably did have some pretty bad football player knees at this point too. You know, being everything and, sold on not just knees like everything. Well, uh, I, shoulders, I, shoulders yeah, yeah, yeah. But <laughs> I mean, <as> well. <laughs> when when they when we first uh, meet uh, Fred Williamson, where uh, Jim Brown like tackles him in his apartment or whatever, and they play fight a little bit on the ground. When Fred Williamson goes to get up. I don't think he's acting when it takes him like five minutes to get up and sit in the chair. <laughs> it's like, yeah, those knees are feeling it, aren't they, Fred? Like, <laughs> but I also, as a final note, I think you're you're you hit the nail in the head, Lee. Uh, and I am a little biased. I'm I'm a huge Fred the Hammer Williamson fan, but he is the best actor in this movie. Mm-hmm. Jim Jim is good. He's but Fred Fred is just great. He's got charisma for days, you know. And yeah. Jim Kelly, as much as I like him, he's just not much of an actor he's a wonder to watch a uh, kicking ass you know and doing karate and kung fu but he, he's not much of an actor I, I love the guy don't get me wrong but yeah, yeah he's the weakest link of the three yeah a little bit of trivia here so our, our three stars here fred williamson jim brown and jim kelly would all go on to star together and take a hard ride in 75 
which is sort of a spiritual sequel to this. Only it's set in the old West and it's got Lee Van Cleef in it. It's a different, it's a totally different story than what, what happens here. Uh, eight years after this film's release, Williamson produced, directed, and wrote One Down, Two to Go in 1982, which reunited him with these co-stars. Uh, also brought along uh, Richard Roundtree, Shaft himself, as uh, an addition to the film. I haven't seen that one, but I I heard it's actually pretty good. So uh, I think I'm going to check that out. He was going to do another sequel to this, like a direct sequel to this too, but uh he was filming the big score in Vigilante uh, at that point. This funding fell through and all kinds of shit. But uh, there's apparently there's a TV version of this floating around that it adds a shit ton of scenes to pad out the running time where it takes it to like an hour, 49 minutes or some shit like that, mm-hmm. which I don't think I want to see. I don't know if I, <laughs> I don't know if this movie needs any padding, honestly. Like, why don't you just, I wouldn't mind see the footage, the extra footage, but I, I don't really know that I need to. I mean, if it's if it's twenty minutes of the uh, torture scene, but yeah. I, they, they wouldn't be that wouldn't be the TV padding. So I, I did, it's like no, I don't want to see it. <laughs> um, and uh, also, as uh, sort of briefly mentioned, uh, I'm going to get you sucker from 1988 as a parody of this film, and then Black Dynamite from 2009 also parodies a lot from this. Uh, pr- pretty much takes the plot of this film in in, in se- several uh, aspects. Budget for this was 1.8 million. Apparently, it earned back its money, but wasn't a runaway hit. Uh, I couldn't get a box office, but uh, I did get like some sources saying that, like, yeah, it made its money back and it made some money, but it wasn't like a super big success because at this point, the black exploitation genre was kind of on its death throes, along with spaghetti westerns and stuff like that. So it was it was just kind of that time. As far as releases, this is also kind of a a lost film in a way for many years uh as far as i can tell there's only a a handful of dvd releases of this and the best bet is the warner brothers four film favorites urban action collection which also comes with black samson hot potato and black belt jones uh and that was released twice in 2010 and 2013 and the version we all watched was on YouTube, and it looks okay. Not HD or anything like that, but it looked fine. Cameron, it was an absolute fucking pleasure to have you on the show, sir. And uh, Thank you for will, having me. Yeah, and we'll definitely have you back at some point. Please pimp all your stuff for the uh, listening audience out there. Well, you can find everything uh, at Cinema Degeneration. We were hosted through Podbean, and we have a, a Facebook page. Uh, Facebook group, uh, Instagram, Twitter, all that stuff. We're pretty much everywhere you can get your podcasts. You know, S- Stitcher, iHeart, uh, Spotify, Pandora, you name it. We're if you can find your podcast there, you can find us. Uh, we did have two new shows debut uh, in the last uh, month here. One called Sinfully Short Sundays that we do. That's a little micro mini review show. That's like 15 minute or less uh, micro reviews. And another one called Without Warning, where I call up my co-host friend, uh, Corey Dawson, and surprise him with a film topic out of the blue. So I put him on the spot with test his pop culture knowledge. Mm. But uh, we're getting ready to start here, which you'll be on one of the episodes, Lee, with uh, our fellow uh, Torchy's brother, Gary Hill. We're going to be 
launching in another month, a, a whole month dedicated. We do every three, four months or so, we do a, a dedication. We do an appreciation month, but we're doing one to the late great actor, Rucker Hauer. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we just started recording episodes for that, and that'll start dropping in about a month from today. Nice. Um, Lady Lee, anything you need to plug? Uh, yeah, you can find me at Money Tiny All Star on Instagram, where I will post updates of uh, the latest episodes. I admit I have been slacking, but uh, I will get back on that and I'll make sure to keep you guys updated. Yeah. And you can find all of our stuff at tmbdos.podbean.com, where you can find the links to the Facebook group. Well, actually, you can't find those links anymore. The Podbean made me change the. Uh, the template they've they've they're, oh, no. they're, they've they're updating their templates so now i can't go back to it i can't like put links and widgets and all that shit that i used to be able to do so fuck you fucking pod beans they streamlined it all but uh eat a bag of dicks yeah but you, <laughs> you can find all of our episodes there at the very least you can do that uh and you can find us on facebook they must be destroyed on site on facebook and uh, join that group and you can find out what's coming up and interact with us and make movie suggestions and stuff like that. Next episode, I know what it's going to be. Uh, yeah, uh, I've got I've got it lined up. I'm, I'm hoping Lee can join, but maybe not because it's going to be on a Friday night. So that might be the Probably not. Yeah, that might be a blow for you. Yeah. Um, but uh, I'm going to have confirmed already special guests from the grind bin, Mike Wood and Bobby Trippett. And possibly uh, Daniel Segura from Mustachio and Podcastio. And really? It's gonna be on Friday. <laughs> yeah. Well, I had to I actually had to load up the 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 fucking guest because I kind of figured you weren't gonna be able to show up. So I was like, well, I need to make up for it. So whatever. Okay. Well okay. Well <laughs> uh, you you heard it here. Mike Wood, Bobby Trippett, Daniel Segura, she don't think you're shit. She she doesn't think that you guys add up to, you know, her not being on the show. It's fine. <laughs> I know what's going on. But uh, we're doing the Franco Nero classic with the probably the most recognizable and irritating score out of every spaghetti western ever made, Kioma, which is uh, that's I think that's going to be a lot of fun. But uh, that is going to be our next episode. Uh, but until then. Uh, again, thank you, Cameron. Thank you, Lady Lee. And thank you all for listening. And we'll be back when we're back. Goodbye. Bye. Later.
destroyed on site for further episodes our apple Podcasts, facebook and youtube links please go to tmbdos.podbean.com thank you drive through yeah i've got to change that too don't i because podbean doesn't have those links on there anymore motherfucker damn it